Hello and welcome to The Entrepreneurs on Monocle Radio, the show all about inspiring people, innovative companies and fresh ideas in global business. Today's programme is all about fashion. We'll meet two former British Vogue editors who've turned their eye for style into an elegantly curated platform that's part smart storytelling, part sharp style, but all great user experience. The website has to be beautiful, it has to change, it has to be not overwhelming, it has to be a wonderful journey that you take. We're sort of holding your hand and taking you shopping, and that's got to be a beautiful experience. Then we'll head to Copenhagen to hear from two fashion designers whose latest collection was inspired by a Wes Anderson film. You have to imagine how does these characters dress up or which occasion, and that was quite funny and, and very um, inspiring. This is The Entrepreneurs, with me, Tom Edwards. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs. We kick off today's programme with Lucinda Chambers and Serena Hood, two influential fashion figures who met while working at British Vogue. After years working across from one another, they left the publication and decided to start their own business. Together, they co-founded Collagerie, a revolutionary digital platform offering inspirational ideas, trusted advice and beautiful buys to suit every budget. And it's my pleasure to welcome them to Midori House. Now, Lucinda, Serena, welcome. Um, Serena, let's start with you. With Collagerie, you both honed decades of style know-how into, well, not only a unique shopping experience, but also this relationship with brands. You feature products from fashion to homewares, even art. Tell us a bit about navigating those brand relationships. Well, the family of brands lives together so happily with a team who curates them. But I think, you know, going back to the elevator pitch and why we started Collagerie, it was really to create the website that reflected how we dress and shop. And we feel that we're not so weird and wonderful. There's not hundreds and thousands and millions of women like us all over the world. And men. And men. We have a growing male audience who shop across all price points. So, you know, on any given day, you might find us in a dress. Today I'm wearing Jigsaw Times Collagerie collaboration that we've done together, a pair of Reformation boots. You know, we love a sort of high street find. And then also we will invest in a luxury item once or twice a year and keep that for years to come. You know, that was the starting point. And it was actually over a cup of coffee after Lucinda and I left Vogue where we were just talking about, you know, how we dress, how we shop. After Vogue, where would we now get all our information from? And we thought, let's start this. Let's start the website. And I think Serena's right. And I think, you know, we were in a such a privileged position at Vogue. You know, Serena and I worked across a desk from one another for over five years. And photographers came to us, brands came to us, products, all the information out there. We just had to be on kind of like receive mode. So we were just like, where would we go for all that information? Now? And we were like, well, if you can't find it and Serena's like half my age and I can't find it, then we've got to make it and build it and do it. Now tell me about that moment then. That's interesting because I guess there's been so many changes in terms of retail trends, how people shop, how they source their ideas, their inspiration, far less the products. And again, to the uninitiated, they may say, well, you know, you guys as veterans in in one of the most storied brands in, in, in media, how did you have such a keen sense of that side of the business? Did you both have to then learn again from the ground up about retail and about sourcing products or, do, or did you feel you had Serena sort of frowning at my question did you feel you actually you you did you had already tapped into those that, that side of the business as well well I think it all started with storytelling what we always did during our careers as editors you know at the magazine 
And, you know, with collagerie, it started with storytelling too. You know, we didn't start as an e-commerce platform. We started as a platform that tells stories through product. So I think from the beginning, that made collagery really stand out in the landscape. You know, today, three years on, the business has evolved, the business has grown, and the biggest spotlight in our site is all through our edits. So that was the starting point when it, from a sort of the business we wanted to create. But I think what's also really interesting, going back to, you know, the landscape and retail, is that there has been such a shift too with how brands want to connect with customers. And during my time at Vogue, I was working very closely with our commercial partners and our editorial teams. And what feels very exciting at Collagery is how we now have, you know, not only the customers shopping with us, but brands coming to us. Mm. And there's different ways we can partner with brands. And so that's been a very exciting, growing part of the business where we work with brands from high street stores to multi-retailers to luxury brands and now travel and beauty. So, you know, there's lots of scope still ahead. Well, that was intrigued me. And just if people browse the, the site or if they follow you guys across different platforms, they'll see this beautiful uh, curated selection. But how, how do the partnerships actually work? Listen, because if you click on, I don't know, it, you might click on a Marc Jacobs handbag and you may go to Selfridges or you'll click on a pair of trousers and you might go to uh, Net Porter. What, what actually happens? How does that the business model work? Partnerships and working with the brands can be on many different levels. I mean, one thing we always have and consistently will have is discovery brands. So it's um, very much in different ways. So we'll have brands who we've discovered who we don't take any commission from. We have other brands that we do take a commission from. We have our own marketplace where we also take commission from. But, you know, what's really interesting, and it goes back to what Serena was saying, is that, you know, the landscape has changed and a lot of brands come to us and they love collagerie and they see it works for them and they see that they sell a lot of product through us. But they also really want to know how we would work with them. I mean, for instance, like the Conrad shop, which we're about to launch our second collection with, you know, will come to us and go, we love collagerie. How can we work with you? And we can say, well, do you know what? I think if we designed a collection for you, that would do really, really well on your site because it's a talking point, something else. So somebody else, Jigsaw, will come to us and say, we love collagerie. How can we work with you? It's very creative in the way that we do work with brands. And it can look like all sorts of different things depending on who that person is and what their brand is and and what they feel is lacking in their brand and what you know what story they want to tell and how we can enhance that I love the idea of this particular chemistry with different brands. We we also are going to feature an interview with Baum and Febgarten with an example like that what what are the things that you look for when when do you know Serena that this is a good fit and this is storytelling that reflects shared values I think that there is often an emotional connection you form with the brand. When it comes to, you know, how we curate, it always is about sharing what we love. I personally, I am, tend to wear a lot of dresses, as anyone who knows me, especially at home and the office knows. And I, I love with collagerie how we're able to fall in love with brands, whether it's a Danish brand like Baum and Fergarten or a brand in the U.S. called Doen, which I remember discovering this years ago at British Vogue, and it's now a household name. So it is exciting to be able to share these incredible designers all over the world with our community, which is growing day by day. And being editors and being curators now at Collagerie, it's all about how we can deliver the best product out there. You know, now we have also, you know, a lot more groundwork in terms of who our customer is, categories that do well for us, price points that do well for us. And 
you know, I think it's always about, you know, how when you're looking through a collection, you can select, edit, emotionally engage, and then we bring that to our world. And it's actually putting it in a different context. I think that is really what connects our customers to the brands. It might be a brand they know about, but they haven't looked at in a while. Or sometimes feedback we get is, I'm not going to shop from our brand until I see what collagerie's picked. And I think that has been one of the biggest endorsements of all. That must make you so proud to be one of these sort of arbiters that people uh, people look to. What about aesthetics? Because you talked already about the sort of curation process. There's a bit of maximalism, maybe certainly maybe anti-minimalism, a real onus on getting people to maybe be more expressive. Lucinda, is that, I mean, I don't know, well, give, I give us shopping, a... Yes, I mean, I think when you're dressing, we all have to get up every morning and get dressed. And I think if that can be a engaging and uplifting experience, then that's fantastic. And we all have to sit on a sofa and plump a cushion up. So I think, you know, what Serena and I really strive to do, and, and it was actually one of our biggest challenges, we wanted to make the experience of collagery the most beautiful, unanxiety inducing experience that you can have shopping. And, you know, not everybody loves shopping. So right from the get-go, we had something called In the Mood, which is, you know, we would take something like a thin blue line and all the products that we would pick and all the inspiration would just be based on something very very almost super creative like like a a wisp of an idea but it would engage it engages people who don't know what they're looking for until they find it and then you know if you want a pair of black sandals we've got black sandals as well but I think from the very start we wanted collagerie to be visually incredibly exciting to look at and you know we do a new piece of content every day and it's not overwhelming which I think a lot of people find shopping very very overwhelming we didn't want the endless scroll so you never felt that you had got to the end of it so there were certain things that Serena and I really set out right from the start that visually it was everything you know this is our product so the website has to be beautiful it has to change it has to be not overwhelming it has to be a wonderful journey that you take we're sort of holding your hand and taking you shopping, and that's got to be a beautiful experience. Well, I think if there's one word, too, that we always go back to, it's joy. You know, how we can bring joy into shopping. And I think, you know, a lot of that has been done through the design, the brand identity, and thinking about collagery as a brand in itself mm. from the very start. That's really interesting. And actually, the way that you express that and that the kind of value set you describe it does sound a bit like the conversations that you hear in a media house about how to retain and inspire audience. And I think it's really interesting that you guys have that long and storied uh, heritage from from the sort of publishing business as well. Let's talk a little bit about what's most exciting. Um, Serena, you already mentioned, of course, uh, collaborations with Jigsaw and others. Comrade Shop, I think, forthcoming or maybe so many exciting collaborations. Weeks. <laughs> uh, what, what, what are you most What are you most excited about? Mark our listeners' cars to one. Well, we've just launched something incredibly exciting which is called the art shop because you know this is what's so brilliant about being across every single thing that's out there is that you think actually if you were starting a flat and you couldn't really afford a beautiful piece of art but the posters that are out there are kind of like not on brilliant paper you know if you had a hundred pounds or up to 500 pounds what piece of art would you invest in so we launched um, a couple of weeks ago the art shop and we asked 15 women artists who really hadn't done prints before and we did a deep dive into the most beautiful paper the most incredible framer who's in somerset we launched it actually in a physical gallery a beautiful um, gallery in kensington called uh, eight holland street and It's the very best print that you can possibly buy. 
And when you see that come to life, in bricks and mortar, which we love, you know, we do pop-ups and, you know, we bring collagery into the real, that was really a proud moment, actually, because people have really loved them. And they're gorgeous. They're absolutely gorgeous. And there's something for everybody, and we're going to carry on doing it, and we're going to find new artists, new discoveries. And um, so things like that, you know, which just come out of nowhere, just of just seeing from a very personal point of view, because it all comes from a personal desire, inspiration, gap in the market, whatever, is, and as Serena was saying, you know, we're not so weird and wonderful. If we really want something, we know that there are people out there who also will really engage with it too. So the art shop was a was a lovely project. And actually, did. it's not over because no. with the art shop, it did so well that we're now looking to roll it out in other, you know, pop-up spaces in London. We're planning to bring it to the U.S. hopefully over the summer. So the possibilities are endless. endless. As they say. Um, and I, I do, I like a quality work on paper. Sometimes, yes. sometimes overlooked, I think. Well, I think, I think that's the other thing is, you know, what we really strive to do is bring the very best. Um, I really feel that with collagery, it's, you, it, it's very, well, it's a sort of the good aspect of the sharing economy, by which I mean you're sharing ideas, insight, that, that sense of your trained eye and this feeling of trust I think really shines through where do you guys continue to get your inspiration from because as you said if you're working at Vogue you're, you're deluged with suggestions and ideas and once you're sort of more out there on your own it's more on you to, to do it where do you go to seek out inspiration Serena is it about travel do you trust to serendipity that you just you never know what's around the next corner what's Gosh, that you process ne- you like? do never know it actually what I've started doing is when something comes to mind I immediately write it down in the notes section on my phone because there have been times where I thought oh gosh I had the great idea and then it's it's disappeared so so I definitely write it down I have to say for me it's getting outdoors and even just having a walk I recently finished um, Ariana Huffington's book and you know so much about um, what she puts down to you know success and ideas was really about just getting outside and walking so that's something I've really tried to sort of instill going forward and I do find that you know even taking a half an hour or 30 minutes in the morning I do come back and think right you know here's three great ideas let's go into the office and, and talk about them but you also I think have to feed the brain you know as Diana Vreeland said the eye has to travel and I think if you're on receive mode all the time and you talk to people and you get out and about and you see exhibitions and you see films Inspiration can literally come from anywhere. It can be a leaf on the pavement sparking an idea about a piece of content for collagery or sitting next to somebody in a countryside pub in Suffolk and she says, I do great rugs. I'm an NGO, but I work with these women's groups. I mean, you just have to be on receive mode all the time and keep a really open mind. And for me, it's about keep chatting. I mean, keep chatting and keep asking questions and seeing as much as you can visually as well exhibitions I said films books as Serena says you know Serena's a great reader and 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 so am I and I think it's about having a fertile brain as well that inspiration can literally come from anywhere I mean the Conran collection that came from a, a like a weird vintage Czech church you know that we found in the market because we couldn't find a Czech that hadn't been done but we found it so you've just got to keep marching keep walking keep your eyes open and keep an open mind as well. Now I'm sure listeners might be thinking well guys make this sound very easy seamless transition from publishing to being entrepreneurs uh maybe it wasn't a transition maybe there was always an entrepreneurial flair that you you both shared um what about when things haven't gone to plan and presumably like every entrepreneurial journey or any journey in business or in life 
there are forks in the road there are moments when things don't pan out maybe there's a couple of those you could reflect on Serena what what's your coping strategies what's seen you through the more challenging moments well my co-founder far and away I know that having a business partner like Lucinda by my side is what's made it all possible and you know I think we both could say that we do very different things and I think because we always work together. You know, we met as colleagues at British Vogue, so we were not two best friends or two family members going in to start a business together. We both are incredibly driven. I think Lucinda's work ethic is like nothing I have ever seen before. And that, I have to say, that inspires me every single day. So that has been my lucky, whatever that is (laughs) by my side, which has made it all possible. But I also think what's, Serena makes me brave. And I think what we always come out, we always come out of meetings, and particularly, you know, when we're raising investment, is we make each other braver, we pivot, we trust our gut. That's what's amazing about Serena and I. We come out, and we come out of a meeting, we're like, that smells of funny colour. No, we're not going to do that. She makes me brave. Her work ethic is second to none. She's a real driver. Serena is a driver. And I think, you know, what's incredible is I read a statistic once that said 94% percent of businesses fail not because it's not a great idea but the partnerships fail and I think to touch on what Serena was saying you know we worked across the desk for five years and as Serena said we're not we weren't best friends we don't necessarily talk about our personal lives but we have this incredible work ethic and we had this really good idea and we know how each other works and I think that cut out a huge amount of potential problems of you know getting to know your business partner knowing their weaknesses strengths We knew all that when we started. So I think that has been amazing. And yes, there has been challenges. You know, we've, you know, particularly when we started and we had this really strong idea of the visual identity of collagery, which was kind of everything to us at the beginning. And it's not being afraid of saying, actually, they're not working. That Mm. design element is not working. Let's change. And I think we both make each other feel much bolder in our decisions because we have each other. So I think that 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 is great. But I mean, talk about challenges. I mean, you know, when we were fundraising, Serena was like eight months pregnant and we were up and down the central line. And that was amazing to see. Literally had her baby the next day and was WhatsApping me. <laughs> so incredible, incredible. You make it sound, you make it sound so, so, so easy. Uh, looking to the future, I guess one of the really interesting general bits of discourse around fashion broadly, uh, but across retail now, is sustainability narratives. And a lot of people are saying, look, you know, all the best businesses need to have that woven into their, their DNA. You guys are obviously fascinated by craft and provenance. And inbuilt in that is a reflection on supply chain and sustainability and so forth also buying less but buying better that's a different kind of sustainability but sustainable sustainable it still is um how do you plan to ensure you weave that value into the business as it as it expands as it grows serena maybe you could reflect on i think that. it's it's always been there from the beginning you know buying with longevity in mind you know it's not about the quantity it's about the quality so it has been there from day one, and it's ever more important with each day that business there and the business grows. So, you know, I think it is about mindset and about how with our community, that's something they adopt too, if they haven't already. So, And I think from the get-go, we our premise about the curation, and it is highly, highly curated, is it's not how much you buy, it's how much you love what you buy. You know, typical example, as Serena's wearing her jigsaw dress, I've got a pair of H&M 
shoes on that I've had for 15 years. I've got a sweater that I've had for 10 years. I've got a new pair of trousers. I've got a designer handbag that I will love possibly more than my firstborn child. And I think we're very mindful of what we push up on the site each and every day and each and every product. That was Lucinda Chambers, the Chief Creative Officer of Collagerie, and Serena Hood, co-founder and CEO. And you can find out more about the upcoming projects they mentioned, including their forthcoming collaboration with The Conran Shop, which is launching later this month. Head to collagerie.com. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs. Keeping things stylish now, I'm joined by the always fashion-forward Emily Wade, Monocle's digital content producer. Hello, Emily. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Now, we've just been hearing from uh, Lucinda and Serena talking about one of the brands they feature on Collagerie, which is Baum and Feldgarten. It's a brand that's known for a, a unique take on women's wear based in Denmark. I gather you've been chatting to the founders. Tell me a bit about them. Yeah, so I spoke to uh, Ricky Baumgarten and Hella Hesterhav about uh, sustainability and mass production within the fashion landscape. And I know within entrepreneurs, you talk a lot about buy less but buy better um, and we very much touched on that um, which was really interesting conversation and I began asking Ricky if they always had a clear vision or a theme in mind when they started designing a collection. Actually the last many collections we have been quite clear on themes and moods and what direction are we going in from the beginning. Of course it's super difficult to begin a collection if you don't know what's it about but when you've been in the business for 25 years mm. you sometimes have to start without that mood or, or theme because you have this um, knowledge and you have been working so much with fashion for so many years so you, you you are able to start a collection without but of course it's the best thing is to start with a, a clear vision and you certainly had a clear vision for your latest collection, which was inspired by Wes Anderson's film, The Royal Tenenbaums. The film is more than 20 years old. Why did that resonate with you so much? Um, yeah, first of all, we really love this movie. We love the whole setting, the colour, the eccentric family. And um, we love actually that they wear the same clothes all through the film and uh so everything actually suit into what we really love to work with, the more sporty compared to the more classics um, outfit. But but also the thing, Helu, that you're saying about that they're wearing the same outfit all through the film yeah. made us uh, think about how would Margot look if she went to a party or if she went to the gym or to a dinner or something else like you have to imagine how does these characters dress up uh, for which occasion and that was quite funny and mm. and very um, inspiring to to kind of develop Margot's own private style and and her brother's own private style and so on. I'm sure after the show you had a real sense of relief too having pulled it off it was uh, wonderful so let's talk a little bit more about fashion and business as a collective. Having been in the business for almost 25 years now, it's safe to say you have a lot of experience with overcoming obstacles as entrepreneurs. What are some challenges that you encounter on a day-to-day -day basis and what hurdles do you face in the fashion industry more broadly? It's, it's, it's wrong to say that there are many hurdles, but of course there are hurdles. One of the more private ones is that Hill and I always have a doubt. <laughs> 
you all, we are always in doubt about many things, and and I think that's a part of being a uh, being in being into the creative uh, into a creative mindset. Meaning that it's good that you have this doubt, that you maybe think too much about things sometimes. Of course, the whole uh, responsibility uh, challenges are maybe the the hardest and the toughest challenges that the industry is is having at the moment and uh, we are afraid that that we don't uh, reach the goals that the UN and and everybody else is pointing at at the moment what we are facing at the moment is that there are big big companies who are um, doing overproductions and and uh, and then there are a lot of uh, maybe minor or smaller companies who are really trying to um, to look in a more uh, responsible uh, direction and i think we have a dilemma here yeah, you need uh, more political voices who are actually doing uh, doing laws about uh, how mm. how are we working as an industry, how should we work, and what is uh, legal and what is not. European Union are working on these uh, things, and our team in production are really working hard on following uh, and being part of these um, demands. But but um, I I think this is one of the biggest challenge that the fashion business is is uh, is uh, meeting at the moment. In that regard, where do you feel like the fashion world is headed as an industry? For example, in five years' time, if you were to see specific changes being made, what would those be? It's uh, a big thing, and uh, it's, it takes uh, it takes a lot of time that up to to be responsible in the right way and do what we can. But but um, we also need that the end consumer is ready to pay for that. It's more it's more expensive to to be responsible and we really love that we have this uh, together that we it's something we work on together so it's not only the companies but it all also the end consumer they can see the value is to buy more long living uh, clothes and uh, of course it will be another price level but that's what we really hope for and aim for and, and actually also work for so one of our goals is that engage the end consumer and learn them to take care of about the clothes and uh, really have a strong feeling about that is not, not something you just buy and threw away and 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 um when when you have these huge companies like sheen you as a company struggle with all these uh, regulations that, that comes from eu and and our own governments and then you just see these huge companies doing crap and people buying crap, you got just like, but how should we ever yeah, finally uh, realize that this is uh, this is how we should do, and and this is how we shouldn't? It's it's very frustrating to look at. A lot to consider. It's something that many fashion houses and indeed entrepreneurs will have to think about. And looking forward, what are you most excited about? What's next for the rest of 2023 and going into 2024? Uh, our own personal forecast is that we actually have um, we have a 25 years anniversary next year. Mm. Uh, so we are at the moment actually preparing a lot of um, events and happenings around uh, our 25 years together. At the moment, we are working on um, pre-fall 24, but we are also uh, working on uh, autumn-winter uh, 24, which will be, mm-hmm. be our 25 years anniversary show. And we are, um, have a lot of uh, fun and uh, huge and small plans at the same time, um, which we uh, 
are really looking forward to. We actually also try to look back in our archive because it mm -hmm. could be fun to maybe redo some of our really old and um, styles that we love. So maybe redo them in a new context. And um, yes. so, so we will definitely look back in our archive to to see if some of them will be modern or cool today. So mm. that, could, that will be fun to look yeah. back to. Super fun. That was Rika Baumgarten and Hella Hesterhav, co-founders of Baum und Pferdgarten. My thanks to them and to Emily for her reporting. You can learn more about the brand. Just head to baumundpferdgarten.com. That's it for this episode of The Entrepreneurs. We'll be back at the same time next week. Do look out in the meantime for Eureka coming your way this Friday. The programme was produced by Laura Kramer with mixing and editing by Tamsin Howard. You can listen again and find out more about the show at monocle.com. That's where you can subscribe to Monocle magazine too and learn more about better businesses every month. You can also follow us and catch up with the archive of past shows via your preferred podcast platform. To contact the team, drop an email to laura at lrk at monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye, and thanks for listening to The Entrepreneurs. <laughs>